You're listening to the Dive Bomb Podcast. G'day and welcome to episode 33 of the Dive Bomb Podcast. And we are here for our review of this, the second round, um, the number two doubleheader of the start of the Formula One season in 2022. Here, as always, with my co-hosts, Varun and James. Feeling 100%. We're back in action. Yes, sir. Yeah. Varun, I'll go to you first. You're a... Yeah, I made it back before Seb, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, made it, you made it off. We didn't have to call in Nico for this week. Yeah. Uh, that would have been the super sub if he comes on the pod. Honestly, it would have been better than he did in the Aston Martin, maybe. Um, and James obviously you're uh, you got the bug but you uh, it was never officially the vid but you guys both uh struggled through yeah you're back to action some some weird middle ground yeah halfway between isolating and not yeah I mean you can uh at least we can get your voices back yeah last week was you could hear some sniffles I listened to a bit of it but um glad to have you boys back to uh full fitness and in the cars for this week um (laughs) not too much to talk about pre-race when it comes to the newsroom, obviously with it being the second part of a double header, we had uh, a lot of the same storylines, including the fact that Seb Vettel, like Varun mentioned, is not was not in the car this past weekend in Saudi, and uh, so Nico got another chance. Uh, I don't know if he necessarily would have wanted the chance to jump back in after so long <laughs> in this track because it was so like grueling, but um, he got another chance. Yeah, yeah, in that car. yeah, that car does not look nice. But either. I mean, when it's when you're in his shoes, like you, you never know when you're gonna get the call again. Yeah. So oh, he's gonna go for it. sure, yeah, jumping all over. Yeah, it. for sure. I mean, this. In fact, if no one gets sick, this could be like his last race ever. Exactly. Like every race he's had could have been. And it's getting, uh, you know, the window's really closing if it's not already. So, um, you know, I, I just love seeing him in the car. It sucks that he um, he almost got into the points with all the chaos that we'll chat about. But it's just good to see him back on the grid too. He's a great dude. So, And he's hilarious. His interviews are so, like, candid. Uh, he just, like, fully open about the fact that he's, like, an old, out-of-shape guy. Not old, but, like, for Formula One now, he's, like, older, yeah. and he hasn't raced in a while, so he's a little out-of-shape. So, um, yeah, and the other major talking point before we got into Friday, Saturday, Sunday was, obviously, the missile strikes around the circuit. So, we'll touch on that quick. I mean, they obviously, the drivers and everyone had uh, a meeting, a, not a brief meeting. I was going to say a brief meeting, but it was definitely not. I think it was like a four hour meeting, like well into the night. Yeah. Um, after some missile strikes for, I don't really know like the political reasons around the missile strikes. I think it was like, wasn't it like rebel group? Like, yeah. It was a rebel group trying to attack like a, an oil plant. Yeah. So, so, I mean, obviously it kind of snowballs into a lot of other issues with the fact that Saudi's on the track that people have. And like, um, you know, it goes to not only like the political landscape of the country, but also, uh, you know, the danger of the circuit as well. So yeah. we'll see if maybe, you know, I think there's a lot of money there, so there's still going to be racing there, but we'll see. I think there's going to be a lot of backlash for years about this circuit, even though it's mm-hmm. fun to watch. I just hate that everything else surrounding it is like kind of hard to watch, you know, or hard to yeah. listen to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I mean, anything, I don't think there's anything more to say on that. I think it's, I mean, for the, us, it's like, I love the racing, but it's just hard. The, to... the one thing that I noted when I was reading all the articles was apparently like Lewis and Pierre were like the main guys kind of coordinating everything. And I wonder what it could have been if Seb was there as well, what mm, the end, yeah. end decision would have been. Cause I know yeah. he's an advocate against all like the values that the kingdom that they're, they're racing in has. And so 
it it's definitely interesting. I wonder if he was on Zoom. I I don't know, but yeah, yeah. I know that it was Lewis and Pierre apparently were the two that were uh, at the forefront of it all, trying to coordinate with the drivers. Yeah, pretty cool to yeah. see like Pierre's growth in the sport since yeah, we started watching it. Like he's one of the leaders in the in the paddock now. So, um, yeah, obviously it was deemed that it was safe enough for the drivers and everyone to be able to be safe when they're they're out there. So thank God nothing happened. Like yeah. if something would have happened after that, it would have been absolutely horrendous. But uh, thankfully there was no other issues and I'm pretty sure everyone's out of the country now so they can move on to uh, to the next race yeah. in Australia. But um, yeah, it's going to just an interesting note. Like I think it's going to be something we want to, or not that we want to, but we're going to have to listen to for the next, you know, I don't know how long the contract, I want to say it's like 2026 or 2028. I, I think it's a long yeah. money tied with it too. So. Yeah. So, um, and you know, with sports around the world, like losing a lot of revenue over COVID, like it's going to be something yeah. that they want to obviously do, but there's got to be a balance. They, they have to revisit this because yeah. I know their hands were kind of tied when they were there because they're literally in that country with all the all the sponsorships, everything. Yeah. So, like, their their decision making is very restricted, and like they have to go through the airports that they control. So yeah. it's like hopefully now that they're away from that country, they're actually able to sit down and talk about it and again and reassess. Yeah, for sure. Especially with uh, one thing too that it was interesting is like we were just there. It feels like we were just in Saudi for yeah. a race, and there was you know issues with this. There was. A lot of it, like you said, Seb was very outspoken when we went the first time and it wasn't that long ago. So definitely when it hits you like super, you just go there within four races, you know, it's like one of those things where you think about it a little more. So hopefully yeah. they do take it away from it and really think about it. And it does, it is a shame because I think the racing is actually pretty cool. And like the qualifying is really cool around yeah. this track. It's one of the hardest tracks. I think, I think in my opinion, it, it's like top five like hardest tracks on the calendar like for drivers yeah uh like we saw like pierre was literally like he was talking about like how his spleen felt like it was like oh, gonna explode yeah. after the race like the it last, was insane like, laps he said he was just yeah in pain so uh yeah anyways all in all like I, I would love to see the circuit stay for racing but if you're talking about all the other stuff i think i could be okay with it leaving as yeah. well so yeah. that would be the end of that one thing that was interesting is i think this was was the one race like a lot of f1 fans talk about um, like kind of like advocating with their, with their viewership or their wallets as much as difficult as is is to do in F1. But mm -hmm. this was the one race where I saw a fan led movement for a boycott of like basically watching the race. Cause that's really the only way the fans can kind of put their money where their mouth is, so to speak, other than not buying merch is showing F1 that they're not going to support uh, racing in a country that has a bad human rights record or mm -hmm. bad safety record as it is. So yeah. I wonder what the viewership numbers ended up being like for this race, but I, I did saw see... it was like the most watched race since yeah. 1995. So I think wasn't Bahrain and did this they, one just cap it? it. Oh yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I mean, it's one of those things where those, that minority, well, it would be a minority yeah. now, but like the fact that the sport's grown so grown much, so much, right. It, it just gets kind of, offset by yeah, offsets yeah. it. And but. especially the timing of it in North America being one o'clock in the afternoon, like that is yeah. perfect, like football watching time. Yeah. That's yeah. all the Americans love to do is, 1 p.m. Let's kick our feet up. And I mean, it was perfect. So I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm not prime surprised. time. Prime yeah, time. it's unfortunate that the and boycott didn't work. We didn't help. I mean, of course. <laughs> and then, as unfortunate as to say, like as long as F1's not losing money off of it, they're not gonna really seriously consider anything else because at the end of the day, money they, they need yeah money talks. Cash is king. We see it all the time in yep. the Formula One subreddit. So uh, yeah. yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so moving on to the weekend itself, uh, I mean, when you talk about setup for this race, we, 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 we touched on a lot of the trends we were seeing in Bahrain. 
when it came to like what power units looked good, what power units looked shit, what what, what cars looked good, what cars looked shit. And uh, there was uh, sometimes maybe shit, sometimes yeah. <laughs> um, but that. The, uh, you know, we saw a lot of those trends continue and there was a lot of, uh, you know, I, I think the most relevant thing when it comes to like watching practice and moving into Saturday was seeing the fact that these Mercedes power units just look like they don't have it this year so far. Like they need, there's some fine tuning yes. that really needs to be done. More than fine tuning. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was trying to find another word for it, but I, that's what they've been calling it. Yeah. Um, cause obviously they, they still believe like, I mean the, the power unit itself won them all those titles. So it's not like it's shit, but they're going to have to figure it out. Yeah. You know, maybe it's the, it comes to the fact that Ferrari's power unit, they just did so much in the last few years to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, correct what they had their issues with they're, in 2017. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, hopefully they're not cheating again. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, I feel like there's probably people saying that around, uh, around the world. But either way, um, yeah, a lot of that trend continued. Uh, on one of the practice sessions, like we saw the whole bottom half of the grid, just all Mercedes in the last practice session. That was just like wild to me. And obviously for P1 and uh, FP1 and FP3, like they're, they were in the daytime, so you weren't really looking at the timesheet as like really representative uh, as to where the track would be at night or, or for qualifying in the race. But at the same time, like just seeing all those power units at the bottom, you're kind of like, is this all a coincidence? It raises some alarms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. certainly, it certainly does. So um, yeah, it was very crazy to see uh, to see that. And then moving on to Saturday, which for me was like one of the most dramatic uh, qualifyings that I've watched personally. And I mentioned that, uh, like this track's qualifying is just intense. Like there's, uh, it's one of those ones where I watch it and I'm like, I could not do this. Like sometimes it's like, if I had the ability to drive a formula one car, I'm like, oh yeah, like I could do this track. Like I could rip, I could rip around here. But this one, like I would shit my pants after turn one. Like I would just, all those zigzags and stuff were (laughs) absolutely insane. So, um, I mean the biggest talking point would have, we'll start off with before we get to Lewis is um just to go on to the track being crazy is Mick Schumacher's crash like mm-hmm. he gets through uh we see the Ferrari power unit he took him through to uh Q2 and he was in a good spot looking like he was improving on his time and maybe getting into Q1 for the first time in his career and which we all would have loved to see and uh yeah loses it I think it was turn 13 I want to say loses it and uh Vroon and I were just talking about it before before you got here James but like the car, actually, you know what, Rune, tell, say your analogy. Is the way oh, the yeah. car hit the, like... Well, so the, the car hit the barrier. Obviously, there's debris flying everywhere, which we're kind of used to seeing. Like, everyone knows that an F1 car is designed to disintegrate like that and absorb the energy and take it away, take the brunt away from the driver. But when the crane came in and picked up that car, the first thing that came to mind was how it looked like a wet cake being picked up. The way it just <laughs> fell apart. Like, it's yeah. true. It looked like it was, it looked like it was soggy, like made of paper mache, the way it like sagged. Yeah. And, uh, the back part just completely fell off. So yeah, it's crazy. And it's like, true. it is important to mention too, like, obviously that's how they're built now is like to, to dissipate that energy yeah. away from the driver. And even after, like we've seen crashes, like heavy crashes, obviously one that comes to mind would be like Roman Grosjean's yeah. crash. Like we've seen worse outcomes. And in this case, like we eventually after a while, we got to see onboards and like Mick was relatively like not really thrown around too much. Like he was kind of, you know, bobbing back and forth and stuff, but like he, the risk of injury there, like obviously it was a massive crash, but mm-hmm. he didn't look really like he was hurt at all or anything. Like you saw the one on board that I saw was like showing the one towards him and his steering wheel. And he kind of just like yeah. holds his arms in yeah. and just like goes there for the yeah. ride. And like, 
the the way that they've built these cars is like again we've talked about it in prior podcasts but like it's so impressive that Mm -hmm. someone could crash that heavily and the car literally turned into like wet cake like you say and just be an absolute write-off and he's 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 unscathed. Scratchless. Yeah, yeah. Like he could have raced on Sunday if it weren't for like the fact that he crashed the car. car. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Because if he wasn't, and obviously you have to also like take into account that these guys are like athletes and are are trained to take these impacts and Mm -hmm. be okay. Because like I I can guarantee you, if one of us was in that car taking the same impact, like we would be out of commission for. Well, my my shorts would have a hole in them. My spine would be left in that turn. Yeah. So so they know how to brace for impact and all that, but like like you said, and um, for me it's like. Think back on what the cars were like in the 50s. and Oh, oh you would have been car. dead. Like, oh, obviously, man. the cars couldn't probably even get up to that speed uh, at the, as it was. But if, if a car from the 50s was going that speed and took an impact like that, it would be... Like, it would be a fireball. It would be it, a fireball. Like, there would be nothing left of either yeah. the car or the driver. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very without a doubt. crazy. And, yeah, at that time, too, like, safety or, like, the danger of it was kind of just an added element of the sport. And mm-hmm. it's something they accepted. So the fact that they've kind of shook that off and said safety is our number one priority, not keeping it dangerous. Yeah, It just goes, show, goes to show how much they've evolved. And speaking of safety, one thing I found interesting that they mentioned was like, so obviously the, the area of the track that Mick went off and, and impacted the barrier, they were saying on the broadcast that they don't really expect a lot of drivers to go off and hit hit that part of the barrier. I don't really know like how you can how you can argue that because when you're designing an F1 track, I think you kind of, and obviously I'm not a track designer, I don't know what the realities of it are, but like, I feel like you have to account for all possibilities because yeah. I heard them say that with Stroll's crash in Baku. And Grosjean's crash. And Grosjean's crash. Yeah. So how can you have like three crashes and be like, that could have had catastrophic outcomes and be like, oh, you don't really expect someone to crash there. Well, clearly yeah. they can because yeah. they did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and Mick, Mick was kind of helped by the fact that he like lost the rear enough where he yeah. went in sideways. Like if he would have went straight on, like he would have snapped both his legs. Like right. 100%, it would have been tough. And it so, wasn't really like a crazy crash where he, he went somewhere like way off the track. Like he yeah. wasn't... It looked like a totally reasonable place to crash. Well, so on that note, like agree. we saw Esteban Ocon and Fernando Alonso lose their rear at the exact same exactly spot during qualies yeah. and practice. So yeah. it's like and they that could have happened. It. Like yeah. it could have happened ten minutes. Fernando's after. was literally an absolute like pube hair away from being an absolute Jeez. like the same thing. Like just it's true though. Like, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Unbelievably, it could have been the exact same thing. So you look at it like obviously, I mean, Mick was pushing as hard as he yeah. could. Um, so it's, whereas I don't know if Fernando was necessarily yeah. on like and, that kind of, and of course there. it's hard. Like it's a balance between making the street circuit exciting because it's a street circuit. You don't have to exactly have so much room to create big runoff areas like mm-hmm. you do on a traditional track. So it's, I don't know. It's just another thing where like when you hear the drivers advocating for their safety, this is the reason why, because yeah. maybe F1 doesn't always have a hundred percent safety in mind. Like not that they dismiss it completely and not that they're the same as they were 20, 30 years ago, but mm. they still have a long ways yeah. to go. And I think you make an excellent, show. I think you make an excellent point there that like, how could you not take all the possibilities into account? Because like, if you, uh, for me, I'm going to compare it to Grosjean's crash mm-hmm. in Bahrain. And like, he crashed on a spot where there was no, uh, there was no turn really. It was just, he was trying to overtake someone and he didn't see, uh, who wasn't in Kivyat. his mirror. Kvyat. And then he hit him. So it was like, it was in fact, like probably a weird spot to go off. Um, but this spot, like there's, he literally lost the, the, uh, balance of the car on a curb and mm-hmm. you could easily go on the wall, which yeah. was like six feet off the track mm-hmm. to the left. Yeah. Like it wasn't like, like Grosjean's where it was kind of a freak thing. Mm-hmm. I think that Mick, that Mick crash. And like I said, it could have been Alonzo d- doing the same thing. 
uh, they need to definitely look at that corner. I'm sure yes. they will. But yeah, it is crazy to think like that they don't really take the, those all into consideration. And again, we're talking from people that don't design tracks. Yeah. But <laughs> at the end of the day, like, what does it take to just like put more of a barrier barrier yeah. there? And it just seems like just from our time watching F1 that everything's always reactive. It's like, oh, we'll redesign the track after the fact to make sure this doesn't happen again. But yeah. like, where is the foresight and where is the like? mindset of making sure that the, the track is as safe as can be from yeah. day one before mm-hmm. these things happen especially because, when it's in a country you're controlling it like you yeah. control the track you build or relatively like f1 can control that and then also with the cars like obviously the cars have been the biggest example of like leaps forward in the mm-hmm. years and like now you know we saw this car break into two but they've actually changed it where like where it breaks is no longer going to cause like an explosion like it did on Georgian. Mm-hmm. So like we could have very well seen the the same thing happen if these cars weren't changed. Like it could have the fuel cell could have been split and boom, like it could have yeah. been another fiery escape for Mick. And mm-hmm. another so, thing about reactive uh, measures that they've taken, I'm pretty sure in Spa they've recently like pushed back the barriers at oh, after Rouge, the... after uh, Lando's crash. Oh really? When he did in Qualys. Yeah. Okay. So it's always reactive, like you're saying. It's like yeah. what, how I know they and as, of course Spa is a super old track. They want to keep it as historic as possible. Yeah. But like, yeah. When will it actually be preventative instead of reactive? Yeah. And not to totally like you know like I said earlier, we can give them some benefit for the benefit of the doubt that they're always pushing the limits and and trying to see where they can um, kind of walk that fine line between keeping everything as exciting as possible and keeping um the risks at a minimum but yeah like this is just another example of it we're obviously glad mix okay but that really like when i heard on the broadcast it triggered something in me because i was like i've heard this before and how many times can this like happen where yeah they they say they didn't foresee this because it didn't really look like something that what couldn't have been foreseen today. yeah for sure yeah uh 100 agreed and um yeah it just goes to show that you know, there's a lot, there's always, it's going to always be work to do mm-hmm. when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you, you hope that the right people are in the right jobs there. And then at the end of the day, the biggest thing is like, it was so hard to watch because they didn't show Mick for a while and you didn't really yeah, know true. if he was okay. So finally getting that news for me was like, like I was just, sur- I was again. just refreshing Twitter, like trying to get a Haas tweet to see it say like he was okay. And they had like the helicopter there. And when you see the helicopter, you're just yeah. automatically like, fuck, like he's going like, He's like in a bad, the worst. in a bad spot. So yeah. he was okay, and like he literally, I mean, he took like a selfie and posted it shortly after, and he looked shook. But at the end of the day, like he was, yeah. he's okay. He's gonna come back and be okay, which is crazy. Like the fact that 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 can happen, like we mentioned, like these the safety measures and stuff. But uh, yeah, that was the biggest note I'd say from Saturday, other than the fact that uh, seven-time world champion Lewis Hamilton okay. out in Q one for the first time since 2017 uh and like absolutely shocking to watch because yeah. like i said we watched fp3 and saw the mercedes at the bottom of the timesheet but you know we usually think you know when they come back to qualities on saturday they're gonna be they're gonna be there they're gonna be in q1 or at least q2 mm-hmm. um and just watching it was kind of surreal because he was like he looked exhausted and he looked like he was fighting the car and just had zero confidence. Like he probably could have pushed harder, but then he would have been in the wall. And I feel like that's exactly it. Like they just, um, could not get that car set up properly. And they mentioned the fact that like, even in a straight line, he was like four KPH slower or five KPH slower than, uh, his teammate George. So you're never going to win there. And like he, yeah, he got beat by stroll in one of like, arguably the Aston Martin looks like one of the worst cars on the grid this year. So, uh, yeah, that it was, was tough. tough to watch. No, and it was it was just weird because like 
you're watching uh, him post a time that would put him uh, in 15th just to barely get out of Q1. And yeah. then you see Stroll come around. You see him as the yeah. driver at risk. Yeah. The driver at risk. And you, you see Stroll come around and just take that 15th spot. And you're like, oh, that's it. He's out in Q1. Like, there's nothing. There's there's no more time left in Q1. Yeah. That, that's simply it. And like, yeah, yeah. I had I didn't actually know he, he didn't make it out of Q1 one time in 2017. I would have thought it's like, it would have been just way back. In yeah, like, I can't remember if it was like a crash or... It must have been something like or that. Or like someone fucked up his lap or something. Yeah. But I can't remember, honestly. But I know that. Car I'm pretty sure that functions. was just that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was um, just crazy. And another thing they noted in the broadcast was like, they didn't change their tires or anything or do anything like drastic to try and get out of Q1. Because Mercedes just isn't a team that's used to having to fight to get out of Q1. Yeah. So you could... You it's could, just expected. Yeah. It's just expected. Mm-hmm. And by the time it was clear that Stroll was uh, was putting uh, Lewis at risk, it was too late. So it's yeah. it was just shocking to see. Like, I, I, I'm trying to think back on my reaction. It was just weird because I'm like trying to process it like... This this really just happened, and obviously the reaction was like everyone well, it's kind of like Haas being in the top ten two yeah. races in a row. Like yeah. it's that kind of same like okay, I would not have uh, predicted this, but that's I feel like even more so, even more so yeah. for sure. Well, I mean, based on last year, Haas in the oh. points was like mm-hmm. a miracle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So did you see Gunther's comment about scoring points last year? <laughs> no, like, that he would have fucked the whole, whole time. Yeah. <laughs> to get points. I was wondering if I could hear that whole like. Uh, that whole paragraph, like not just the one sentence, yeah, trying to get the, a little context. But either way, he's just an absolute quote machine. Like this yeah. guy's hilarious. Uh, he's got to be like everyone's favorite. He's like the Daniel Ricardo. Like everyone just thinks Daniel Ricardo. Like I feel like everyone has a, like a cheeky Daniel yeah. Ricardo love. So, but, but Steiner's humor is just so different. It's yeah, like, yeah, so funny in, yes. in a good way. Yeah, he, you can tell. It, which is good that he has a sense of humor, considering he's he's the principal of a shit team. Like you have to have that. Yeah, they're not formally, shit no more. Yeah, true. Formerly shit team, and, and he's getting rewarded for his positive attitude. Yeah, yeah which, for sure. But yeah. Anyways, back. Uh, to I don't. We didn't see a lot of him last season, other, no. unless you watched Drive to Drive. But he, on the broadcast and stuff, they barely oh, talked yeah. to him because there was really not much to say. Yeah. Which was probably good. He probably felt like he had a year off. He's probably busy. Yeah. Well, to put it in perspective, um, Stroll Stroll's lap in Q two would have only put him eighteenth below Nico Hulkenberg, and he beat out Lewis in Q one. So he was a second slower in his Q two lap. Uh, oh my god. And that got it still got him fifteenth because he was through. But yeah. the time on it that he's car posted, like even with Nick Mick only having the one lap and then crashing out, he was two seconds off or a second and a yeah. half off mix. The like, Canadians are having terrible showings so yeah, far. Yeah, not year, great. So I'm not expecting much more from uh, our, our. Well, it's making time. Albin look good because uh, he <laughs> seems to be beating a Aston Martin pretty much every time out. Uh, so. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, that's going to be the battle at the back, I think, for for the foreseeable future. And obviously, it's a long season. You never know. Those there's could be some strides coming. But um, yeah, so out in Q one, we had Lewis, Alex Albin, Nick, Nico, and Nicholas Latifi, and then also um, yeah, uh, was Yuki. Was Yuki out? His yeah, car, Yuki. Yuki's yeah, his car. car yeah, his start. car. He had two laps. Oh, did not right, start. Yeah. I was looking at did not start, and I was like, wait, was this a race? But no, this was both. Well, yeah, both speaking, as well. Speaking of qualities with Yuki uh, and his engine problems, did anyone else think here we go again when that happened with Pierre? Or or are you just saying like Red Bull power units? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I was. I guarantee Horner was probably yeah. shitting bricks a little bit. Because wasn't Yuki yeah. the first domino to fall last weekend too? No, no, no he won. Didn't. Oh, he, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. Didn't. so he was just getting his his dues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. He. It was his turn. Yeah. yeah it was delayed effect. Well, and the. Uh, I mean, we'll talk about it during the uh, before the race, but um, we might as well address it now. Is that they're two different issues? It was a different issue on yeah. quality day and a different issue on. Uh, race day, so I don't know what's going on there. They need to hire. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's not about the mechanics. It wasn't a sandwich wrapper, like uh, <laughs> yeah, last year. Yeah. yeah, that was heartbreaking. <laughs> so yeah, um, out in Q two, we had uh, a better showing from the two McLarens, Lando and Daniel, uh, eleven and twelve to start. Which honestly, like they they did talk about how this circuit would suit them a little more because there's less yeah. heavy braking. Uh, it definitely did. Like they had a better weekend, not a good weekend by any means, but a better weekend. And yeah, then uh, they were dead on the table after last weekend, and oh, now they have a bit of a pulse. They, they like, look like the Aston Martin Williams <laughs> yes, crew for they sure. They have a bit of a pulse now. Yeah, they know on some circuits with the high speed. The bar is pretty low for improvement. Let's just put it that way. Yes. yes. Um, yes. And then we had uh, Guan Yu, Joe Guan Yu, in thirteenth uh, for his first F one qualifying around Saudi Arabia, which wasn't too bad. Like obviously, uh, Valtteri is known for his his performances on saturday so it was a little tough to keep up with him but to be in uh, 13th is a decent spot to start the race at um then we had mick in 14th unfortunately again we mentioned they weren't able to rebuild that car in time so uh he was he was not starting the race he did not start the race it's estimated at a one million dollar invoice to yeah. pay and build that car back up so that was all probably another one of their reasons why they didn't get it ready for well, again, it was destroyed, but like, yeah, you need to consider there's 21 more races and these issues can still come up and you, well, and he, could, cap. he could have like, they could have rebuilt it fast overnight and then he would have went out and had like a reliability issue or hit the wall again. Yeah, exactly. Cause it wouldn't yeah. have been set up. Like, I don't know. It would have been hard to get it out there yeah. in time. So. I think they did the right thing looking forward to, uh, Adelaide. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then in the top 10, we had K Meg who complained about neck, uh, his neck, uh, being a little stiff and and kind of, he said breaking, but I mean like shifting around during his lap, which obviously shows again like if you're out of this sport for for especially Formula One, uh, you're gonna those G's are gonna catch up to you real quick. So mm-hmm. he was still able to put it in the top ten, which is great to see. And then we had Pierre P nine. Thank God he didn't have any reliability issues. We had Valtteri at a respectful P eight. He, he once again. Um, is right up there and now he's out qualified both Mercedes in two weeks. Like he out qualified yeah. George last week and now he's out qualified Lewis. So uh quite cheeky there from Valtteri. And I feel like I'm just like cheering for him more this season. Oh, I've noticed that too. I yeah. love his TikToks and everything. Yeah. Like oh he's, it just puts a smile he, on Him and K Meg for me are like they're both just like I feel like they're walking around the paddock like oh I'm happy to be here they're like yeah. they're they have these like glow about them and they're both I'm, Scandinavians too, yeah so yeah I think they're like always at the top of the the happy charts every year those yeah. countries well I mean Finland he's pretty dry like he's always been oh, known yeah. to be they're dry, dry but, people but yeah. apparently they're happy people so I yeah mean, like it's it, it's definitely showing uh, the pressure's off he has a long term contract more than one year and like you can tell he's actually they're, happy they're, where he is. They're making the connection between the happiest countries in the world and the happiest Formula One drivers. Yes. I got what you're saying now. Yes. No, 100%. And, like, I love his vibe this year. He's mm-hmm. – the way he's talking to the media, he's like, I'm here to help Guan Yu. Like, I'm here to uh, help the team. Like, not that he was never like that before. But now that you see him in, like, a leadership role, you really get a sense of, like, he's a good dude. Yeah. And you can tell – He's him. a really good dude. And Cause talented. Because he, he yeah. was part of – like, he got dragged in to the whole, like – championship battle between lewis and max like you could tell it just wasn't his cup of tea you know he's a he doesn't like the drama he doesn't like all that but just being 
on the Mercedes He belongs team. in the midfield. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, like, he's part of the one of the most successful and he, and he teams in history, those, which is cool. He helped them win those oh, 100%. Titles, so yeah. he, it's not like, you know, he completely shit the bed with the Mercedes. Like, as no, no. Kind of sometimes implied. He was Lewis's perfect teammate. Yeah, yeah. And he will, in at the end of Lewis's career, I wholeheartedly believe he will say that Valtteri was the best teammate he ever had. Yeah, agreed. And yeah. they might be the best team in Formula 1 history. Like, yeah, them yeah, too as a team. Too. Five constructors, championships, so... So, yeah, and, and, like, I just think that kind of drama that, you know, tends to happen when, when you have a championship battle like that, it's just not Valtteri's cup of tea. He's mm-hmm. happy just focusing on driving, and now he's in a spot where he's out of the spotlight in a, in a position where his, like, expertise and his knowledge and experience is valued, uh, and, he's, and he's driving well. So I think he's in a perfect spot for him, himself. Mm-hmm. Damn right. And uh, g- good showing for the pink lads. On yeah, Saturday nice. we and Sunday, really, really but uh, we had the Alpines, uh, Fernando P7 and Ocon P5 for uh, the last he, showing, qualified George, and very nice. The last showing of those liveries for the year. Yes, yeah. they'll be going back and to it the Alpines. Still, still fucks with me because <laughs> yeah. I, I'm like, oh, they're not, they're not the team. Like that it should be Force India, but that team is also now Aston Martin. <laughs> yeah, and Otmar is no longer with Aston Martin. He's with Alpine. Right yeah, now, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like. You literally have the the colors and the team principles switching, and then also like another team musical chairs names. with names and yeah. uh, liveries. It's kind of like in NHL terms, like how the old Winnipeg Jets are now Arizona Coyotes, and now yeah. they're completely yeah. different uh, franchises. Yeah, yeah it's uh, definitely just all fucky how it, it gets all crossed up. But yeah, they change jerseys. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, every time I see them, like those are racing points. Yeah, those those are racing points. Yeah, every single where's time. Checo? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But sure. then and you see Altmar there, so you're like, oh, they are the racing yeah. points. Yeah. <laughs> He just follows... The and Ocon's still there. Ocon's still there. And, uh, and still Ocon's there. there. Oh. oh, it's just funny. Um, yeah, so it'll take some getting used to. I'm sure we'll be like, for the first time uh, next week in Australia, we're going to be like, oh, who's this livery? But then we're going to yeah. give her head a shake and know that it's yeah. actually Alpine. Yeah. It's their debut this season. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, they had a great qualifying. And um, then we looked to the battle at the top, which was really the battle for, for pole and is going to be the battle for pole, in my opinion, for at least the first half of the season. I can't yeah. see it changing. So we had the two Ferraris dueling with the two Red Bulls, which just that hearing that is like saying that is so cool because last season it was either Max or Lewis. Like realistically, Valtteri would maybe nick one, yeah. but Checo was never on for pole, really. Like I don't really remember a time where he was that close. Yeah. Um, so um max had a little bit shaky of a second run in q3 putting him in in uh, p4 and then for a bit carlos again had provisional pole this weekend which i want to give a huge shout out like he deserves a pole he's going to get one eventually but he was right there like two on two weekends used in a row. tires on used tires yeah they seem to like the used tires yeah. this weekend he didn't improve um, with new tires it was yeah. weird what they were uh experiencing yeah crazy so and then the second runs in Q3, Charles was able to jump him, um, which was good for our parlay, James, that we had in. Um, however, I wouldn't be mad if Carlos broke it. But if Carlos broke it and then Checo beat him, I would have been mad. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so then we saw Charles take it. He had a nice lap. Like, I think he was two-tenths faster than, than Carlos. Very nice lap. And then Checo just does the absolute lap of his life, like, out of nowhere. Out of absolute mm-hmm. nowhere. Puts a, a 128-2 on the board and... Uh, Watching the onboard of that lap, like he didn't make a single mistake. The guy was on unbelievable, and yeah. the uh, the post um, quality interviews and stuff was very strange because for the first time in a long time we didn't see Max or Lewis, which is yeah. just like crazy to say that we saw like Checo and the two Ferraris, and like the two Ferrari drivers were both giving like huge props to Checo, which 
deservingly so like he yeah. nailed it it's that's how it, like you got beat on like it wasn't bullshit like you he mm-hmm. did the perfect lap and it was on one of the hardest tracks yes. to do a perfect lap on so all in all like really cool to see checo uh obviously you'll see that our our post art for this this episode will be checo with the um with the signed tire i think the, given yeah. by gordon ramsey given like, by gordon what ramsey a time to do after it. 215 races too that's another crazy yep. thing like he gets his first win after a long time and then he gets his first pull after that many races so he's a he's a story he's a great story um the fact mm-hmm. that you know we look rewind the clock a couple of years ago when we were looking to see if he was going to get that rebel seat and look at now it's it's so yeah. cool to just like think of the story of his career that too his time in f1 was almost over at a yeah. Point. yeah 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 and uh, and we all and like how much we harped on the fact this guy deserved a drive and not only does he have a drive but he's in like a top car mm-hmm. that could contend for the title this year so uh yeah just love to see it he's such a good dude a so. fine wine just he gets better with age apparently or he just gets in a better car with he's age. a fine tequila <laughs> yeah, yeah fine tequila yeah he gets 100 agave agave <laughs> yeah gets in a better car uh, and then that'll, that'll help too um not with tequila though you don't want to have it at oh, in no. the car <laughs> so we're uh half an hour in and we got to start talking about the race i i i honestly think saturday was one of the low-key like coolest qualifyings obviously mm-hmm. like the the um the battle for pool there and like checo pulling it off was really cool and uh, i guess it was kind of like overshadowed with the drama uh obviously yeah, mix crash each, and each uh qualifications had its own story 100 yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and we started with the craziest one which is lewis out so yeah, yeah yeah um so yeah moving up into the race obviously um we'll start from the back and move forward to the the more intro i would say like this this race from the back up like really didn't have much talking points other than when you get to like the midfield and the top. So we'll talk about the, the lat, like kind of the losers of the weekend first, and then we'll move on to like people. Cause realistically, if you, if you were in the points this weekend, you had a good weekend. Cause it was a lot of people that, um, I know that's mm-hmm. kind of sounds like obvious, but at the end of the day, like the people, there were so many DNFs and issues that you got to count yourself lucky if you were up there this weekend yes. and you probably drove a good, a good solid race. You got the strategy, right? Because this track you'd need to do that. So, um yeah we'll start at the back obviously we mentioned yuki and mick not being able to start the race uh, i'm excited for me the the only note i have is i'm excited to see mick in this because he just looks good and that car looks good so i'm just yeah. so excited to see him have some success this year and then yuki too like he had a solid start to the year but mm-hmm. uh yeah he's got to get the they've got to figure that car out um the biggest l for t- the second week in a row latifi like crashes in q3 or Q1. Q1. No, wait. Did I mix them up again? No. Q1 is the first. Yeah, it's Q1. Okay. Yeah, he crashed in Q1. Got it. Yeah, sorry. Because I, I just... We've been talking about Lewis getting out of Q1, and I'm like, what? Is yeah. it, my brain's just mush. Um, so, yeah, he crashed out. Heavy impact. I mean, he's... And he's just complaining like mad about this car not being drivable. The, the rears, apparently, he just can't get them under control. And he goes into the uh, penultimate corner and just bins it. Like... Roman Grosjean under the safety car, just into the wall. Um, yeah, not really much to say. Like, 17 laps in and he does that. Like, he just... He wasn't he, racing anybody. He wasn't racing anybody. He said that, too. He's like, no one was around me. Or 14 laps in, I should say. And just, like... Yeah, I don't know. There's not really much to say about him. We got He's got to figure it out. That car looks really bad. And honestly, it makes me really impressed with Albin. And I know that you guys wouldn't expect me to say that. But, like, maybe it's just because Latifi's his teammate right now. But like a year out of the sport and he's this badly outperforming him, it's really showing that like, 
you know, there's there's some issues there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll see how that seat looks. If he crashes again next week, oh. we're looking at maybe a mid-season switch. Honestly, like, yeah. there's, we're, we'll, we'll revisit it's, it, but... It's just the, the cost-benefit of how much sponsorship money's bringing mm-hmm. in versus how much he's costing the team. And that's the saddest game. part is, it's yeah. like... Okay, yes, he brings in a lot of funding, but he's crashing that fucking car and yeah. spending all that yeah. on repairs it's instead like, of development. Like, dare I say, a Mazbin kind of scenario where it he's is bringing in a lot it's of shaping money. up to be like one hundred percent. It is. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So after them, if we go up up the classification order, we had three DNFs in the span of like two laps. Thirty five yeah. and thirty six was just unbelievable. Like we saw. Daddy Rick, who pitted really early, I think it was in, within the first ten or twelve laps. Yeah. And he was going to go on a one-stop for, like, the one-stop of his life. He was almost going to be looking like he was shaping up to possibly score some points. Um, and he ends up just a completely losing drive. Not much to say. Just, like, lost everything. Couldn't. Yep. Could, so, Parks right in front of the pit line. Pit lane. They come around the next lap. Alonzo, after having an epic battle, which we'll get to when we talk about Ocon, but having an epic battle with his teammate, and then the same thing, just lose his drive again, parked in the pit lane. And then Valtteri um, had an overheating issue that yeah. they pitted him, they tried to cool cool everything, and then still didn't retired. work. So retired. Yeah. He was on for like a P6, yeah. which I had a bet on, which kind of broke my heart. But <laughs> just to see those three guys like within the span of one lap, it was like, holy yeah. shit. It goes to show this track is so tough, not only on the drivers, but the cars. The heating could be an issue, or who knows what those other issues are. Mm-hmm. But it could be yeah, dust and take all bunch yeah. of different things. But yeah, and that battle between Alonso and Ocon was was unreal. Like they had Otmar uh, on the like speak on the broadcast during it. Yeah, he, he was like, yeah, we'll we'll let him race, and then we'll uh, basically try implying like we'll let them get it out of themselves, and then just uh, hopefully keep it more tame for the rest of the race. But mm-hmm. love to see the them get to race each other like that without team orders stepping in so yeah i was lap after lap battle that was amazing yeah, yeah they and they were not giving each other anything they were like they looked like they could have been on separate teams with how they're legit and kudos to them they didn't even touch once exactly like not even a little yeah well to, to fully go into that it's like they were battling like last minute moves there was no mm-hmm. holds bar they were right on the limit so it was really cool to see. For me, it was probably one of my favorite moments of the race was watching yeah, them battle. Yeah. And we we touched on it last week, but these cars are working. We're seeing lap after lap. You can attack. You can attack. Yeah. So this is what we want to see. And seeing it with teammates is just so cool. Like mm-hmm. there's they're putting it all on the line. They're risking literally a zero point team finish to go and race, which we just love to that see. That early too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that was awesome. That was one of my favorite moments of the race. Uh, we had Lance, who unfortunately um, ended the race with Albin uh, in 13th and 14th. They barely got classified. But Albin just straight dive-bombed Lance. He's taking a good penalty next race. Uh, yeah, it was a tough look. Yeah. It was Lance's corner, and Alex just dive-bombed it. Yeah, yeah forced, it. forced it. And then he tried to like deny it, and it was just like uh, it was pretty cringy. Oh, I didn't see the the post on race, so well, on the it wasn't on the post race. I don't remember. I saw them actually walking in the paddock together, and I think they were like talking about it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they uh he on the radio he was like like that was my corner or whatever. So, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the first yeah the instinct the yeah. first instinct. Um. So that puts Nico, the last actual finisher, being in P twelve, which would have been cool to see him like get in the points. Yeah with how tired he must have been after that race. And then we had Guan Yu, who had an absolute nightmare of a day. First off, he had a tough start again. They have an issue with their car that's uh, that, that they, have, they have some kind of, like, 
shifting issue off the start or yeah. clutch issue yeah. where it doesn't release in time or whatever. And they, they, he just sunk again. Yeah, it was so um, cool but he had a great race through the back, through the back yeah. of the midfield. Awesome. He was overtaking and had a great pace. And then he, um, gotten hit with a penalty out of nowhere yeah. and then was, I didn't got, know. Yeah, I don't know what the penalty was. And then he got hit with a, you did not serve your penalty when you did your pit. So he oh, had to yeah. do a drive yeah, through yeah. penalty, put him oh, way to the back terrible. of the grid. And he still like had a good race. He was mm-hmm. battling with Lewis there. And uh, anyways, I think he's really bright star this yeah. year. Yeah, um, honestly. And that, none of what you just mentioned is his fault at all. So No, um, no, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think he can learn to, if there's something wrong with the car, like... Uh, learn to troubleshoot it. Yeah, like Valtteri clearly got a handle on it this week because his start was way better than last yeah. week where he sunk like a rock. Um, but yeah, really, all in all, like just for me, a positive outlook. I think he's going to have a good season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was gonna... really happy and impressed with your scouting report from F2. Cheers. I had yeah. no idea. I didn't expect anything from a rookie at all, yeah. especially after the rookies. Well, I mean, the car's seen. also good too. Yeah, yeah the car's also um, good, but like after seeing the rookies that we've had since we started watching, yeah. I'm like, I had no expectations at all. And Joe Bonnie was damn good. yeah well he had three years in f2 too so he's been like around right yeah. so he's been and i like his personality too he's like, a really likable dude yeah. too so and he's yeah. got some swag too he loves the designer clothes. Yeah, yeah loves the gucci and prada and all that stuff so it's nice to see all the memes were like him and lewis battling it out on whoever has the most the best drip, style the most drip coming <laughs> into the, the f1 weekends i love it wettest drip yeah um it's yeah like max with the flat cap and the red bull shirts that's <laughs> <laughs> the same outfit 21 weeks in a row and then rounding up the points, we had an excellent drive through the field. Lewis looked like he was on it. He had a lot of cool overtakes. Obviously, the, the pace wasn't there really to get him up super high, but he ended up having a super long first stint on the hards, and um, he ends up coming home P10. After the the whole lap 35 incident, he just was caught out again, wasn't able to pit. And if he was able to pit, he might have nicked like a little bit higher of points. Oh, he but definitely would have. and then he asked on the radio if yeah, there's a point was, for P10, yeah. hilarious, which you was tell, hilarious. Obviously, obviously, he knows. I think I think he knows at least. I, w- I would hope he knows. Yeah. I think, hope he knows, but I think it was just to kind of drive home the point of how how like shitty of a result it is for him. But I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. Just, it, it, Bono comes on the radio. Okay, Lewis, that's P10, and Lewis goes. Is there even a point for that? Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know some drivers will give their left nut to get that P10 yes. point. So. Legit. Yeah, Mick would have loved a one-pointer yeah, or Guan Yu. Or... But it sucked for him because literally as he was cornering that last turn, Fernando's going into the pits to like just d- kill his car. Yeah. And then he drives by. As soon as he drives by, pit lane closed. Yeah, yeah. and he was just locked out. That was tough yeah, for yeah. him. I think bad luck. He was, was a lot up, of bad luck this week. He was up higher than P10 at one point in the race, yeah. right? Or is it, oh, well, yeah, he had his one stint, like his first stint on hards. He took him all the way up to like P5. Like yeah, was, I think he's right behind George. Right behind yeah. George. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't think he ever really caught up to George because George has had a lonely race. But he was there. He's yeah. in a position. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good race from Lewis overall. Like after going out with that car in Q1 and really not having a good setup. Um, look like he did a decent recovery. Take a point. That's good. That's more points than Red Bull had in Bahrain. So uh, they'll take it. it. At least it shows there's still hope for them to be a, a decent midfield team this year instead of a backmarker, which it all yeah, exactly. like after Q1. So. And, and his race literally was with the Haas, Kevin Magnussen. He yeah. ends up, they were on the exact same strategy. Their, their races were very, very similar. And uh, they end up kind of... In a roundabout way, like even with K Mag being able to pit under the VSC because he pitted just before the the pit lane closed, mm-hmm. they still ended up racing uh, each other like till the end or like being one place away from each other. Even though 
Like it wasn't, it wasn't like Lewis probably would have been right there and maybe had a chance to nick P nine mm-hmm. uh, if he would have been able to pit. Mm-hmm. But they were still like very close, and there was enough of a gap there where they finished next to each other. Then and they did have some cool battles. And again, to say that Kevin Magnuson would be racing a uh, Lewis Hamilton this year is yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, and then we had an amazing race from our boy Lando and the McLarens. Like my heart breaks for this team right now and our team. Um, and I'm not gonna. We're not gonna like turn our backs on them for sure like we we're not uh fair weather fans by any means but like it's just it was just really hard to watch Bahrain but just to see him like fighting for p6 mm-hmm. uh Esteban ended up taking it on the last lap which uh is a little bit of payback from last mm-hmm. year where he he ended up losing out on the podium on the last lap but p7 for Lando six points like we'll take that we will take anywhere from uh you know six to ten this year for McLaren would yeah. be an absolute really good result so yeah. um we'll take it for now and uh, they're talking about having a lot of you know by the middle of the season hopefully they're going to be up there again so we there's still a lot of faith in the team yeah totally uh, but i think the first 12 rounds are going to be tough for it's sure. going to be a boxing event for these first 12 rounds but just to see them in the points with six yeah. it's a healthy amount it's decent and when they, when they finally do uh enjoy some success no one can ever say that they didn't work for it so at least yeah. that would be there. <laughs> yeah, and it makes, again, we talked about it, but it makes Monza so much sweeter last oh, year. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, in hindsight. Uh, and then Ocon, great race for him, P6. Obviously, he was helped out a bit by his teammate being uh, DNF, uh, but he had a good race. That Alpine looks pretty decent, and knock on wood, but they're one of the only cars that hasn't really had a lot of uh, issues. I mean, obviously, Alonso had an issue t- today, but they've over session over like the multitude of sessions they haven't had a lot of issues so hopefully they figure out what's going on with Alonso and they keep moving uh and they have some pretty good pace so it's cool to see a a team the one team without any uh customer teams like the Renault engine is only on the one team it's cool to see them like up so high and arguably their power units better than Mercedes right now so uh yeah interesting to watch that and um I was thinking did McLaren have a Renault before they came to Mercedes? Were they Renault? Yeah, yeah. they were Renault before. Yeah, yeah okay. That's what I thought. I, I bet you uh, they wish they had a Renault right yeah. now. <laughs> Low-key, just at the start of the season. Yeah, yep. um, yeah so then in P5, we had a uh, Pierre Gasly-esque race by one George Russell. Like, not really much to say. He was on a Pierre Gasly island, as we've coined mm-hmm. before on this podcast. Uh, good race, good good quality for him. It's uh, obviously, like, there's a lot of... Not negativity, but, like, they are not happy. They they want more. Of course. Yeah. All their interviews are very, like, James mentioned it last week on the pod, like, they look like pissy pants, but they are <laughs> because they do not accept this, and George didn't join this team to be P5, so yeah. uh, that's the big thing good there. Good points, though. Good yeah. Point oh, no, good points for sure. They'll take it, and they're, they're, aren't they still second in the driver? With the, I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. or the constructors. They are, yeah. Yeah, so they I mean, one point ahead of Red Bull. Yeah, so uh, I don't know how long they'll they'll eke that out, but uh, yeah. Either way, a decent race for what George had. He maximized it, um, and then we talk about the battle at the top, boys. That's how we'll finish off. I think it's the biggest storyline, and and to, we'll start at the, back at the beginning of the race with Checo trying to convert his pole to a win, and he ends up having a great start. We saw it where like each car in the top four was kind of like one to two seconds away from each other. They were just kind of waiting in the weeds, maybe saving their tires, looking to see what was going to go on. Mm -hmm. And then we saw Charles pushing for the undercut for, uh, under Checo. And then, um, basically that we've seen it before where the, the second place, uh, runner either pits to overtake or lets the person pit, uh, the pole position or the person ahead pit and then look for um, 
look for the overcut. And so we saw Checo dive into the pits at the wrong time for his race. Yeah. Yeah. That's the easiest way to say it. Yeah. Very wrong time. They ended up having the Latifi crash under and a safety car ends up basically moving Checo into P4. I mean, there was a lot of other little things to talk about there, like with Checo and Sainz, should the position have been given back. I think it was all good. I don't know if you guys have anything to add, but like eventually, like I think maybe they could have given it back under safety car. But mean, at the same time, out of the pits, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Carlos was like after, after they slowed it down, he was yeah. like very clearly at the line yeah. before Checo was. Um, but at the end of the day, like they knew they had to give the position back, and they ended up giving it back after the restart. Which at the end of the day, like it, it kind of, it made it harder for Checo mm-hmm. because he had to give it back under race pace, where like he had to keep George behind and Esteban behind after yeah. a restart. Whereas I think Red Bull could have given the position back under safety car. It would have put more more pressure on Max with signs behind. But at the same time, like, you're not you're not j- just dummying Checo's race. Like, yeah. Checo could have had a chance to take signs on the yeah. on the restart, also, too. What was Sainz's argument? Because he wanted the spot back under safety car as well. Yeah. So what was his yeah. argument? Well, his argument is that simply that because I was ahead at the safety car line, mm-hmm. Checo technically overtook me under safety car. Yeah. So, so I should be given the back. spot back under safety yeah. car. And then Sainz was complaining because like he essentially will get that spot event no matter what. Yeah. But... He has no opportunity to attack Max. Yeah, exactly. And then oh, he also oh, says, "Oh, on the on the restart, on the restart, oh, yeah." Okay, yes, and then I on the restart as well, like Aaron said, Checo doesn't even have a chance to go after Signs. So what it boils down to is that Red Bull is like cucking Checo. They're basically saying like Checo put a barrier between you and Matt, between Carlos and Max. We're gonna basically forfeit so your both, race. Yeah, exactly. Both Carlos and Checo would have rather swap positions back under the safety car. But I Red think Bull, so. Yeah, I think Red so. Bull, yeah. And another issue was, that Signs brought up is like, what if George overtook Carlos? And now all of a sudden, Signs still needs that spot given back from right. Checo. Then so like, obviously that scenario never happened, so we don't know what the issues would have been, but like, that is something that you could they consider. They would have left him exposed then. Yeah, exactly. Because well, he, he would have had to give it to Science no matter what. But now George is between them. So, like, what the hell did you do from there? But, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was an interesting move. And it was probably just to protect Max. That's literally it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It looked like... I mean, at the end of the day, like, would Max have won this race without that? Like, it's obviously a lot of what-ifs. Like, maybe Carlos would have overtooken Max. Or maybe mm-hmm. there would have been a battle there to, to stress yeah. out Max's tires a little more. But either way... Um, Max ends up being a little more free to attack Charles. Uh, and we saw an epic battle. Like, we saw them um, pulling more cheeky moves like they did in Bahrain, where mostly it was Charles being cheeky in Bahrain, where he would let Max through, get the next DRS zone, mm-hmm. whoop, whoop, get around him. And then this time, we saw Max, like, be patient and be like, okay, if he's going to be cheeky, then I have to be cheeky, which is something we really haven't seen from Max. Like, yeah. we've seen him just Brundle, send it. Brundle mentioned it. It's yeah. like, it's... We haven't seen, like, patients like this for Max before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he and said right at the overtake, wasn't Crofty like... Yeah, Crofty. It's a word in Max Verstappen's yeah, vocabulary that's, that's now. It's, patience. It's a so, new word in Max. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people... The interesting talking point here is, like, a lot of people, like, traditional fans, and I'm not saying we're not... Like, we would probably fall somewhere in the middle, but there's an argument here where traditional fans, like, hated the fact that they both, like, locked up going into the turn, and then they were kind of, like dummying each other as to who's going to get DRS. Like, yeah. like fans, the, the traditional fans games. are like, yeah, traditional fans are basically saying like, that's, that's stupid because like you're, it's not like pedal to the metal racing, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like the faster car wins. It's 
technically like, but I, I don't know. I don't know why you'd say that. It's still a sport. Yeah, it's yeah. and shit. If you're putting DRS right. in, like obviously DRS hasn't been a thing since like the sixties or whatever. But like if you're putting DRS in and you're committing to to the sport being a certain way, a then tactic. that's what it is. It's yep. a tactic. It's like saying uh, you're like when the two. I mean, we always go back to hockey, and you guys are probably chirping us for that. But they took the two line pass out of hockey because they wanted to see more people pass the puck past two lines to, yeah. to promote offense. Exactly. It's like if you're going to make a DRS where you're promoting overtakes, then you can't, like you're going to expect, especially on circuits like this, mm-hmm. like it's going to happen. And they even asked the, the drivers in the post-race conference about DRS, like do you need it for this? And they're like, yes, we need it for overtakes. Yeah. You need it for like, every track. The cars are so close, you need yeah. like that extra edge. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So it's, it's something that's going to stay. And I mean, like if you don't and like I, it, tough. Well, realistically, yeah. if there was no DRS, we'd be looking at going... From, like, however many overtakes we have in a race to, like, maybe two or three. Exactly. Like, it would just be a huge train. The, the like, one, the one thing, would be the all that mattered. You wouldn't even watch yeah. Sunday racing if it wasn't for DRS. Yeah, and, and one thing that Carlos brought up in that press conference as well that was very interesting, it's, like, they need to figure out a way to, like, limit DRS to, instead of having the overtake happen on the straight where it's just, like, you just zip by them like it's on a highway mm-hmm. and you're already ahead of them before you get to the turn, but kind of maybe, like, find a way to shut it while you guys are neck and neck and have the overtake happen in under braking so it's actually like the driver's skill that comes into play instead of just the car just fucking zooming right past you yeah and having it so it's like yeah. i don't know if that'll ever come to fruition to be able to like shut dris off maybe if you're like as soon as your your nose is ahead of them or whatever the case is yeah but. that's an interesting point but at the end of the day too like when it comes to like the skill of the driver for me even watching someone overtake on drs they have to break. They have to choose a breaking point not mm. only because of their speed, but now they have that added speed. Like yep. your breaking point's completely <laughs> different when you have DRS on. So it still takes a and shit you have the ton of skill. Of the guy behind you too. Oh yeah, so he's still like, looking to come back at you. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if that'll ever be a thing, but I don't <laughs> think that the argument is legit there because like it still takes a shit ton of skill to overtake yeah, yeah. DRS or not. Like I, I was thinking that during the race, I was like, hmm, is DRS kind of cheeky? But like you need you need it and it also is like really it's not easy you're not mm-hmm. these, these overtakes aren't easy no matter what no matter yeah. what yeah you could yeah. walk up send it you could die so you know <laughs> <laughs> a yeah a little yeah. bit more than a highway overtake that's for sure yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> james puts drs on the highway when he goes <laughs> he's overtaking right before the exit that's why yeah. <laughs> yeah. he's going off the track what, Man, yellow it's, something, flags. it's something to consider because yeah my favorite part of the whole race was when they both locked up yeah. hitting that I lap. actually yeah. know people were complaining about that. That's yeah, it was a massive complaint point. I it. burst out laughing when that happened because I thought, well, like, these guys are... And that's why they're complaining, other. though. That's yeah. why people are complaining that yeah. it's, like, a laughing thing that, like, people yeah. are, like, what the... F- like, what and is going I sent on? you the snap, too. Jensen Button, like, shrieked when it yeah, happened yeah. he was laughing so hard. I thought that was the funniest thing ever because, like, it's a new tactic. They, they, they genuinely have to think about it. Yeah. yeah. It's the fact... I like it. I like it as a tactic. I think it, it adds to the racing. It adds to your strategy. It's all part of the sport. So mm-hmm. if you don't like 2022 Formula One, then yeah. just don't bother watching. It's all good. Until 2023. Yeah. Watch <laughs> Everyone else is already watching. Don't so watch you get NASCAR. NASCAR. If you want Pelva medal for, like, however many laps... 700. <laughs> 700 yeah. laps. 700 laps. Yeah. Pelva medal left for an action. Pelva medal race, man. Rip it in a bowl. So yeah, um, at the end of the day, we we saw a lot. Um, again, like we mentioned before, there was a lot of really close racing, and we saw it at the st- we saw it at the front again. Max and Charles coming mm-hmm. back at each other over over a lap and a half, I would say, and then Max ended up being a lot straighter, or a lot faster in a lot faster in the straights. <laughs> he he is straight. He's got Kelly. We're good. Um, <laughs> but 
Uh, yeah, so Charles ends up nicking the fastest lap behind him in P2. Another double podium for Ferrari, and Max gets his first dub of the year. So, um, I don't know. It's just for the title battle, this is what we want to see. We want to see another double Ferrari podium, because yeah. why not? And then we want to see uh, some other team, and if it's Max, we we knew it was going to be Max or Lewis probably getting the wins around Ferrari. Like We would love to see Mercedes there, so it would be like between three teams, but the fact that it's these two teams and there's this much... Um, like awesome racing going on is just yeah. epic but it's also nice because it gives us a new uh pair or like a new combination between those top three teams yeah. of yeah. a battle like we've had we had uh seven uh lewis going at it all those years between mercedes mm-hmm. and ferrari not and to mention we have four drivers too like exactly, checo could have exactly. won this race carlos could have won yeah this race. so we but we've we've yeah. seen like the the light blue versus red and uh what was i guess who was seb battling mostly with when he won his titles with red bull it was a mix of teams it was a mix, okay. Yeah. So it wasn't as clear cut, but yeah. And then we saw Red Bull. Uh, I think it was mainly Ferrari. I think it was okay. mainly Ferrari. So then we, was and least. then like the recent years, we saw Red Bull versus Mercedes, and now we're seeing uh, Ferrari versus Red Bull. So it's just a new combination of teams fighting, and, and so it's nice to see at least. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I agree. I would li- like to see uh, for Mercedes up in that battle, and we'll see yeah. if they get there later in the I year. I mean, the fact that we have like the top four drivers within 10 seconds of each other finishing-wise yeah, is like, the fact, like that means that it's not just like, Bottas and then Lewis and Max like 20 seconds up yes. the road so yeah. it that, was literally yeah. like Ma- Charles was right behind Max coming around the final corner which is what you want to see and yeah who knows if it had gone another lap what would happen so yeah exactly all right boys well we're going to Australia next yeah. back to Australia a race we've never seen yes live yeah we have we've never watched about Australia I think it's going to be like two in the morning one in the one a.m one in so, the morning so we're gonna get some drinks on yeah. we might uh Maybe do a hungover pod or just yeah. right when we leave the bar, just hit record. But oh, that would be fun. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm really excited to watch Australia. Uh, I hope that we can see another awesome race weekend. And it's just going to be cool to see that track because I think it's a really cool circuit. Yeah, it's just technically so. a street circuit as well. So. Yeah, so I'm yeah. excited to see round three in Australia. And we shall see you down, down under. In Get, the down under. Get, Get in. in. <laughs>